It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome to an emergency mini Buckeye Talk podcast. Huge news coming out of Ohio State. Doug Lamarie, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com here to break it down. Trivion Henderson, a five star running back out of Virginia, announced his pledge to Ohio State's 2021 recruiting class on Friday evening. Stephen Means, you pointed out he's the first five star running back recruit to commit to Ohio State since Beanie Wells 15 recruiting classes ago. We're going to hit this hard and we're going to get out of here. But Stephen, how big of a deal is this for Ohio State football? It's a big deal, like you just said. It's been since Beanie Wells. Beanie Wells was pretty decent as an Ohio State player, if I remember correctly. But more importantly, you got three five-star commits and it's not even June yet. And there's five other guys, including another guy from that Virginia area and Tony Grimes, who are seriously considering Ohio State right now, we're talking potentially eight five-star recruits in one class that's already headed over shoulders over whoever number two is in the country and now in recruiting rankings. This is a pretty big get for Tony Alford, who is, you know, for the who has failed as a recruiter in the last two years when it comes to getting high-level running backs. And he's redeemed himself the same way that Greg Jawa has with the offensive line recruiting, where at one point he couldn't get any, and now it seems like everybody, everybody in the country wants to come play for him. We are going to put on our party hats and get out the noisemakers for Tony Alford because he does deserve credit for this because Travion Henderson, as you guys know, is the second part of a one-two punch at running back. On March 16th, they got a commitment from Evan Pryor from North Carolina, the number 85 overall player in the country, according to 247 Sports, the number six overall running back. Now here we are on March 27th talking about Travion Henderson, the number 17 overall player, the number two overall running back. Nathan Baird, you already have an analysis up at cleveland.com slash OSU. Looking at highlights of this kid, getting a feel for Travion Henderson. How, how quickly do you think he can make an impact at Ohio State, and what kind of impact do you think it'll be? You know, I was watching highlights again this week of him. I was reminded of the pod that we did earlier this week. We were talking about Trey Sermon and the guys who are already in Ohio State's running back room and just how dynamic they are or, or, or are not in some ways. And talking about things like, you know, being able to get to the edge and, and really have that kind of bolt of lightning effect that you saw from someone like J.K. Dobbins last season um, or or just the way that he can take off. And and I see some of those things in Henderson. I see more of a back of that level. 
a guy who you know works really well in small spaces and then all of a sudden you see him just erupt and he's gone. It can be a little bit deceiving when you obviously when you're looking at him against high school competition. But I mean, facts are kind of facts. I mean, he you, the, the speed has been timed. He's he's legitimately fast. He's got a legitimately solid build that I think he's going to be able to grow into. I, so what the impact is going to be at Ohio State, I think that is a little bit to be determined. I assume that both these guys are going to come in and have every opportunity to play right away. And I think it's either these guys come in right away and are so dynamic that Ohio State can't keep them off the field, or these guys come in and push any of these guys who are currently here, um, the, the, the more veteran guys, into you know having to prove themselves even more. But, I mean, the, the guys of these this talent, um, I, I think they have the, the upper hand to come in right away in that fall of 2021 and maybe just kind of completely remake that running back room. We do have to remember a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, who was not a top 20 national recruit, but like a top 60 national recruit. He didn't do much as a freshman. Now, he had Carlos Hyde ahead of him in 2013, but like Dontre Wilson came in in that class of 2013 as like a slot guy, a little bit of a wiggle guy, an H-back, and he made much more of an immediate impact as a true freshman. Uh, but they didn't need Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott really didn't get rolling until kind of midway through his second year at Ohio State. He was not an immediate step-on-campus takeover kind of guy. My inclination right now, with everything we know about Ohio State's running back situation, and we have to remind people, this guy's not coming now. He's not going to be here this fall. This is a class of 2021. So their, their running back issue obviously is still what it is for this coming season with Trey Sermon, Master Teague, Mayan Williams, Steel Chambers, and Marcus Crowley. My prediction right now is that this guy is the starting running back week one in 2021. Do you got you agree? Why do you agree with that, Stephen? I, I agree. Look at the, that room is not going to change between the only thing that's going to change between now and when Trey, when Henderson arrives is that Sermon's no longer going to be there. So once again, there's going to be a battle for who's going to be the number one running back. And if we're going to go off talent and how these guys rate it, Henderson's probably their, your best bet, and then Pryor's probably the best bet after that. So, I, yeah, I agree that he'll be the starter, and Pryor and Teague will be the road, and Marcus Crowley will make up some, they'll battle out for number two. It doesn't happen all the time at Ohio State, right? We talk about that a lot, that sometimes if you need a true freshman to play, maybe something's up. But, mm-hmm. you know, when, when um, Beanie Wells got here, Antonio Pittman was here. Antonio Pittman was their leading rusher in 2005. Beanie Wells shows up in 2006. Antonio Pittman is still the lead back, and then Beanie Wells is a great second option. We remember that that spin and the way he broke that tackle in the backfield in the Michigan game in 2006. And then Beanie Wells took over as a starter in 2007. Again, I gave the example of when Ezekiel Elliott got here, he had Carlos Hyde. This guy's not now – you know, maybe Marcus – excuse me, maybe Marcus Crowley or Master Teague – does something this season that tells us, hey, you know, we're, we underestimated those guys. They clearly have a number one back. But Mike Weber was here, right? Mike Weber was here in 2016 and was their lead running back. And then we know Curtis Samuel took over in the Michigan, Michigan game. But Mike Weber wasn't so dominant that when J.K. Dobbins got here in 2017, Mike Weber had some injury, injury issues that affected that. But J.K. Dobbins was able to force his way on the field because he wasn't blocked by a stud. And it seems like at the moment we would not anticipate that Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor in 2021 are going to be blocked by studs. So that's part of it. But also, again, Travion Henderson's highlights, he cuts on a dime Mm -hmm. and he gets 
he has that second level speed when he starts to break away. Those were the two things that jumped out to me. And he does not get tackled on the first tackle, right? So again, it's highlights, but I'm going to grab his stats here for a second. And we want to put this in context a little bit, but his highlights blew me away a little bit. And I was reading on the internet, there's lots of other people, whether they're Ohio State fans or people who run websites or whatever, who are saying the same things. Travion Henderson's highlights look pretty special. It's, it's the transition between those two things you're talking about. It's the cutting on a dime and then that just sort of hyperspeed or hyperspace, whatever it's called in Star Wars, that, that speed burst. And they just happen kind of instantaneously. That's the thing that jumped out at me was that he'll be, you know, he, the, the, the fraction of a millisecond where he goes from making a move to juke around somebody, just that hip swivel to throw somebody off. And then he's gained 15 or 20 yards and now you're cooked. The, what point stands out to me is you're averaging 12 yards a carry for your career. And obviously it's high school football, but that that's – we're talking about no, – I don't know how many runs out there are designed for you to get 12 yards. So that's the, the epitome of what college coaches talk about when you talk about taking a three-yard run and making it a seven- or eight-yard run. When he's taking those runs and he's making them, you give him the ball and you have a first down. So that's trying to the best compliment you can give a running back. You give him the ball and you're getting the first down. Trying to put some context on this, and I would direct everybody to this website. Let's give them um, some love and give them some hits. It's progress-index.com. It's the Progress Index newspaper in Petersburg, Virginia. Um, Jeff Milby looks like he's the guy who does a lot of high school sports for them. I've been reading a lot of Jeff Milby stories at progress-index.com in the last couple of days. His high school, Hopewell High School, won the state title this year at 15-0. and 0. Mm -hmm. Virginia has six classifications of football. Six is the highest, 6-5-4-3-2-1. Hopewell plays level three. So it is the third smallest of the six. Classifications six, five, and four are all bigger schools, and then you assume a higher level of competition. So... When he's running through arm tackles and it looks like nobody can tackle this guy, I don't know that he's playing schools that are stacking up Division One defensive players every week. Right. It's just a point of context. Yeah. We pointed it out with people like Zach Harrison, right? I mean, if you're playing at IMG, if you're playing at one of those national powers that's on ESPN during the year, that's a different thing. It doesn't feel like this is like that. They are a monster program. They also won the, nat the, the state title when uh, Henderson was a freshman. They're a monster program in a mid-tier division. So let's keep that in mind. However, this guy is a freak. He's the Virginia Gatorade Player of the Year. Again, according to this Jeff Milby story, he scored 54 touchdowns this season in the state title game against a high school called Lord Botentort. Lord, Lord Botentort? B-O-T-E-T-O-U-R-T. Which makes me think, like, how good is the competition when you're playing Lord Botentort? <laughs> against Lord Bodetort in the state title game, Trivion Henderson had 19 carries for 208 yards, and he yeah. caught two passes for 29, touch, for 29 yards and a touchdown. Again, looking at his um, Gatorade High School Player of the Year, I mean, his, his stats are just astounding. And the other part of the context that I want to provide here, uh, again, courtesy of um, Jeff Milby, he didn't play running back as a sophomore. Nope. As, as a sophomore, 
He was a receiver. And a backup. <laughs> and a safety on defense. And he also lined up at quarterback, running back, and as a returner, he ran for 312 yards and five touchdowns. So this guy, like, didn't really play that much as a sophomore. And as a junior, he was the best player in the state of Virginia and made himself the number two running back in his recruiting class. So the one thing that I think is hard to tell on high school highlights, especially when you're trying to figure out level of competition, is vision, right? Can you find holes when they're not there? But it seems like this kid might be a little raw because he's new to the position and he's not playing powerhouses every week. But it feels like every skill you want is there. And by the way, he's a 4.0 student. So this guy seems like the whole package. Yeah, and I think that can be part of the appeal, too. I know that, that high school or, I'm sorry, college coaches look at the smaller division sometimes with skepticism for, for the reasons we just discussed. But, I mean, when, when you can look and see a guy who maybe is a little bit raw and doing the things he does, I think what someone like Tony Alford, someone like Ryan Day – looks at that and says, what can we make this guy when we give him this next level of coaching? Where does that, he's got a potentially farther um, level to launch himself to once he starts really coming into that position. Again, courtesy of Jeff Milby, the story from May of 2019, as he was that spring where he's still a sophomore in school and he's getting ready for that fall. And you can tell the offers are starting to come in. This story in the Progress Index says Syracuse and Tennessee are recruiting him as a slot receiver. Clemson sent defensive coordinator Brent Venables to Hopewell recently, and he had thoughts of Henderson joining the Tigers' defense. So that's what we're talking about here, that this guy, you could see that he was a great player and that you probably wanted him, but he is now settled into running back for just one season. Um, so I would encourage everyone, you can go watch the same highlights we watched, but this, this feels special, right? And, and I, to Ohio State's credit, and again, I think I've said I'm going to do a story on this and people have volunteered to help me with it. And that some of the texters are excited about this. They get great players all the time. And this is what Ohio State does. But sometimes they, they have done lately a very good job of turning a lot of their elite recruits into elite players. So when Chase Young and Jeff Okuda and guy and Jeff J.K. Dobbins and guys like that live up to it, this feels like okay. Well, if Travion Henderson lives up to it, this guy is going to be a dynamic force in the Ohio State backfield. Now let's talk about Tony Alford. Who has? Do you guys have your <laughs> party hats on? I do. I'm ready to go. I, I looked up some numbers on this, but Nathan, to start. Evan Pryor, Travion Henderson, what do we think of Tony Alford right now? Well, as I wrote in, in my analysis piece, you know, he had he had taken a lot of the heat for what has developed here these last couple years. Um, even during this past season when J.K. Dobbins is having this magical year and the team's going off to the college football playoff, the running back situation for this season was already this thing that was kind of hanging over the program. And they had to correct it in 2021. They had to. And it wasn't going to be Evan Pryor alone. They had to go get more. It wasn't even going to be probably Trayvon Henderson alone. They had to go get more. They had to get multiple guys this year to start correcting just the trajectory of the program as far as tailbacks go. And uh, so now by getting this commitment, uh, that's the, that's, I, I guess it's not even just the first step, uh, but it's also not the last step. 
it puts him in position and puts Ohio State in position to put all that kind of negativity behind them and, and really potentially have something special going forward and kind of get them back as being a place that's considered a destination for guys like Dobbins, Ezekiel Elliott, Beanie Wells, the guys that came before them. Steven, what, uh, what are you getting Tony Alford as a present, as a congratulations present? I mean, he got a five-star kid from Virginia. That is his congratulations present. He doesn't need anything for me. I'll give a pa- – we, we don't have to ask him about the running back recruit. Well, we still have to ask him about the running back recruiting, but we don't have to chastise him about it, and that's we can get off his back about that. But he's been saying for months that he's not worried that things will get fixed in 2021, and obviously he's supposed to say that, but he more than fixed it. But I'm not getting him anything for this party. Is you know He got himself something, and they're pretty – it's pretty solid gifts for himself. So this happens sometimes, right? You know, again, as we talked about, they had a recruiting lull on the offensive line for a while. Greg Stoudrawa, um got some heat for that. And then you get Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers and Nicholas Petit-Frere and Luke Whipler, and you figure a lot of stuff out, right? So congratulations on that. It doesn't mean that you didn't have a couple rough years there. Frankly, the Ohio State quarterback recruiting had a couple rough years. Tate Martell is your 2017 quarterback. Turns out that's not really the guy. Matthew Baldwin's your 2018 quarterback. Justin Fields is a magic solution, right? But, you know, Ryan Day was involved with that, and they didn't knock it out of the park in quarterback recruiting right away. Um, Tate wasn't really his guy, but Matthew Baldwin was his guy. Like, they had, you know, they had Emory Jones in there, and they had some moving parts, and stuff didn't work out. But they screwed up quarterback recruiting for a year. Justin Fields fixed it, and then – they got on it in 2020 with Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud and then got on it with Kyle McCord in 2021. So congratulations to Ryan Day for that. Doesn't mean they didn't screw it up in 2018. So we, we're going to talk about, again, like the, the, the cornerback recruiting got screwed up for a year with Tavor Johnson. Kerry Combs is in the process of fixing that now. The running back recruiting got screwed up by the guy who's still here. There's no, it's not like, oh, the old quarterback. Even Ryan Day inherited some of Tim Beck's mistakes. Tony Alford's been here for a long time. He is 100% responsible for this entire room. All the successes, J.K. Dobbins is 100% Tony Alford. From recruitment to development, that is all about Mm -hmm. Tony Alford. Great job. And then you have to go the other way. With the holes they have right now, there are question marks for 2020 that are absolutely sitting on Tony Alford's shoulders. But when you are a great program like Ohio State, when you have a lull out of position, it creates opportunity. Now, They had this same opportunity in 2020. It took him an extra year to fix it. It took him a year longer to fix it than it should have. But you can sell Evan Pryor and Travion Henderson because everybody can look at that room and know there's opportunity there. So the second part of this is, yes, now this is a place where, okay, running backs want to come here. I don't think they're going to get a great running back in 2022 because they got two in 2021 and why do you want to come here and sit behind Travion Henderson for two years, right? So sometimes your best friend in recruiting is playing time. Sometimes your best friend is, hey, we don't have anybody that good at your position. So Ohio State should have been able to capitalize on this because they're clearly down there. And this is how down they are. I added up the top players ranked in the top 100 nationally that they got in the classes of 2018, 2019, and 2020, okay? 
They got 23 players. In those three classes, they had 23 players who were top 100 recruits. Here are those players by position. They got eight receivers. They got eight top 100 receivers in three years, and then they have two more in this class. It is unbelievable. So I'm not holding Tony Alford to the receiver standard at Ohio State. But they got eight receivers. They got two offensive tackles. They got two centers. They got three defensive tackles, two safeties, two defensive ends, a tight end, a linebacker, a quarterback, and a running back. They did get a running back. It was Brian Snead in the class of 2018. He had off-field issues and left. He was the number number 82 player in the class of 2018. So Tony Alford did get a guy there, but also like sometimes you're responsible when guys don't work out off the field. So the point of all of this is, is that all we're ever asking Tony Alford to live up to is Ohio State's own standard of recruiting at every position. The, the, the only position where they didn't get a top 100 guy during that period was cornerback. And guess what? We've said the cornerback recruiting sucked for a couple of years. So now they're, they're figuring out cornerback because Kerry Combs is back. And now they're figuring out running back because Tony Alford got his mojo back. But I'm never going to back away, and we're not backing away, and you guys haven't backed away from the idea of that wasn't good enough for a couple years. But you know what? Sometimes your lull allows you to go big, and I don't know that you can go bigger in a recruiting class at running back than getting the number two running back and the number six running back. And Nathan, I'm actually still a little surprised they were able to pull off something like this. Does it sort of surprise you that you would get two running backs in the same class ranked this highly or in the portal world is this just like cj stroud and jack miller may the best man best man win and if you feel like you're not going to be the starter you'll transfer or do you think they're leaning into like a two running back system and bottom line are you a little shocked that this happened i'm not shocked because i like i said i think they had to go make it happen this had to be a priority and they've been building these relationships now for a few years um, and I, I think the, the answer to the first part of the question, it could kind of be all of the above. I mean, I think, I don't think these guys would be coming here if there wasn't already some talk of how this works with both of them coming in at the same time. Um, I've read other things that, that people have written about how, um, these guys in particular have talked about how they're open to a multiple back situation. Um, you know, you, keeping some of the wear and tear off of them during their college years to then pay off for them when they're um, at the next level beyond that. Um, and that, obviously that's easier said than done is just getting to the NFL level. But these seem like guys with that kind of potential and trajectory. So I think it's something that Ohio State can use. I, I, I don't think, as, as, as we talked before, I don't think that the problem the last from a couple of years ago was the two-back system. I think it was those two backs, or at least one of them, and and – and some of the other dynamics that were going on. I think it's been proven throughout college football that you can have two really talented guys in your, in the same backfield at the same time and still be really productive. It may not be a 50, 50 split, but I think both those guys can still have really productive careers and the kind of careers that they want to have, especially if it comes along with the kind of winning that should come along at Ohio state. Steven, well, how do you think this might work out with the two of them? I think it's going to be a two back system that both of it, because both of the, it's not, it's going to be neck and neck who's the better back, I think. 
with J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber, it wasn't neck and neck. J.K. Dobbins was the better back from day one, and they should not have been splitting those reps. Those should have just been J.K. Dobbins reps, and he showed last year why. I think this time around, you've got two guys in the same class who are going to be developing at the same time, so it's going to be a little easier for those guys to accept and want to be in a two-back system for what they just said. It takes some wear and tear off of their bodies because running backs do have a short shelf life. All right. Um is there anything else we want to add here? I mean, I, I mean, to, to get, I, I'm a little surprised they pulled it off. I mean, it's one thing like to try to sell a kid and you know, whatever I, I get it. Um, it's still a hard sell. I mean, yeah, it's, not, I'm it's su- yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not shocked. They did it. I'm surprised that they were able to do it in this short window of time. It's not like one was already committed, like with the quarterbacks or one had been committed for a while and you had to go get another guy and you just basically spent all that time doing that. They got Evan Pryor. 10 days ago and within 10 days, basically, you know, Trayvon Henderson's like, yeah, I want to be a part of that. That's what's more shocking to me is that one wasn't now and another one wasn't maybe closer to signing day. I do think um, that they might have learned something. I think we sort of talked about it before. I think they learned from their mistakes and that's, again, we're, we're we're only holding Ohio State to its own standard. That's that's all we're doing. I mean, it's it's Ohio State doesn't want it to be acceptable to have guys ranked in the four hundreds as the guys that you're relying on. That's not acceptable. We're only holding them to their own standard. But the mistakes they made last year, and I think part of it was Ryan Day as a head coach and Tony Alford as a position coach working together, right? For the first time that Tony Alford worked mm-hmm. for Urban, but now he's working for Ryan and everybody, yes, the Mark Pantone is still there, but everybody has their own strategies and the way it go, they go about things. Um, they learned, you know, that they, they figured out how you can, you know, they, cause they went for two last year and they went oh for two. They went for two this year and they went two for two. So I was literally that, just about to ask that because and, and yeah. because this predated my arrival here to to cover the team, obviously. But that was my understanding was that they had kind of taken that big swing last year to try to do what they did this year and completely whiffed. So then to have it come through this year when they absolutely had to because they missed last year. So I think that's why it's a combination of both. I mean, you give Alford credit for for doing what happened this year, but it had to happen. I mean, he had to come through this way. And and again, it it it's um it doesn't you know when you strike out in your first two at bats with runners on base. I'm giving you some baseball here, Nathan, to try to make up for the fact of that they're not playing. When you strike out with runners on base in the second inning and the fourth inning, you know you don't get cheers for that. And when you come up in the seventh inning and you hit a home run, it doesn't wipe out the fact that you struck out with runners on base in the first two innings that you first two times you were up. But also, congratulations on your home run. Well done. Way to figure out the pitcher. So um, one of us can do this research and figure this out. I'm, I'm still a little skeptical about the whole two-back thing. I will say, though, what is the, the, the number one two-back thing that – and we won't go back to uh, – was it, was it Thunder and Lightning with Lendale White and Reggie Bush? Because that's like a generation ago. Is that what they called them? Thunder and Lightning? Yeah. What's the two-back system in college that everybody cites every time they talk about two-back systems? Recently, within the last five years. It's the one that everybody cites, that everybody off the top of their head, everybody agrees that's the two-back system that we're modeling ourselves after. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. 
crickets. Georgia, right? Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, oh, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? So it's like, ah, I don't want to c- compare everything to Nick Chubb and, and Sony Michelle. That's, that's silly, right? I mean, like, why are we co- – in the class of t- t- 2014, the 2014 recruiting class, Nick Chubb was the number four overall running black back. Sony Michelle was the number six overall running back. So they are a perfect comparison for Travion Henderson and – Evan Pryor. So, um, I one thing I'm, I will say, just, yeah, just real quick, on this idea of the two back thing, it, it it's it's often very interesting when you've got two guys who seem to be very complementary, and that's why I want to learn more about both these guys and see these guys when they're actually college athletes, because when you just look at them on on paper, they look very similar right now, just in terms of their size and kind of their profiles. There's a lot of similarities, so I want to see how much they're they're more complementary because that's when it becomes really interesting as far as being is being able to use them both and make the whole offense more dynamic. And the one thing is though, again, if we're talking about a system that that it, the the two back system is predicated on the idea of taking hits off guys, what it, what does it matter if they're exactly the same? <laughs> that it's like, okay, I mean, we don't care if like Julian Fleming and um. Jamison Williams are that different. We just care if when they rotate the receivers, the guy who happens to be out there at the moment is really good. So, so maybe it's just like, well, they're clones of each other. And the whole point is like, we can run, we can run them each 16 times a game, but we don't have to run either of them ever 30 a game. And they'll just stay fresh during a game during the season. And for when they get to the NFL, cause I understand like, that's my instinct too, Nathan, right? Like complimentary one does this thing a little bit better. One does this other thing a little bit better. And maybe you use them slightly differently situationally, but, but in the new world, maybe it's just, okay, running back mm-hmm. one, running back one, a you're exactly the same. We can't even tell the difference who's on the field, but the point is we take hits off you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, in the end, the main thing is congratulations, Tony Alford. This makes up for every mistake you've ever made in your coaching career. Um, no, I mean, I mean, it's, it's a really good job. And, and, and here's, oh, here's the last thing I want to end on because we Nathan, you already wrote about this and you wrote about this recruiting class and Steven, you were talking about all the guys that might be added. Nathan, you wrote about it in context of, will this be the greatest recruiting class in Ohio state history? Right. The yeah. way the way things have gone, it's going to be. It's going my, to be numerically. I don't see how it can't be almost numerically. My new question: the way things have gone in the last two weeks, and with what might be ahead, my new question is: does this have a chance to be? To be I'm going to say this. So when I go yes. back and grab this later, I want to make sure I don't stumble over my words. Does this have a chance to be? the greatest recruiting class in college football history? I don't know you off see the, the top of my head how many teams have ever had in one recruiting cycle up to eight five-star kids. So if they get all eight, then yeah, then it's a, yeah, at that point, one of us is probably writing the story comparing this recruiting class to some of the greatest recruiting classes of all time. Let's start writing the beginnings of that story now. Let's start the research on that now. Does that sound crazy yeah. to you, Nathan? I mean, we don't know. We haven't looked it up. But it doesn't seem crazy to me with the way this is going. Well, again, it, I, the word greatest is tricky. I'm going to be the fuddy-duddy here and say, could it? will this Ohio State class be the highest-rated recruiting class of all time? 
That's what we're talking about. Greatest is right. decided by what they actually do once they're in college. But as far as like the highest rated class of all time, I think it's certainly going to be that for Ohio State. And at this trajectory, again, when you're talking about some of the five-star guys that are still out there and seem very real possibilities for Ohio State, certainly it could end up being just the highest rated class anybody's ever pulled in. And I'm just trying to figure out, do you guys think that a story on our site under the headline, will Ohio State's recruiting class be the greatest recruiting class in college football history? Do you think anyone would read that? Yes, maybe. Okay. So my, they, didn't read, they didn't read that the last one I wrote that much. Yeah, but, okay, so. but it's different now that I think getting Travion Henderson is before it's like, oh great, they've got a couple five stars and they're they're you know pretty much rounding up all the good guys in Ohio. But you go, you got the number two running back in the country, and it, he, I think he's the the the, the kind of nail that kind of opens that door. To, it's no longer just like a cool thing to write. It's like a sear. This might happen. By signing day, Ohio State might legitimately have the greatest, the, the highest rated recruiting class of all time because it's only March and this is what they already have. And this is the kind of thing they were dancing with with their class a couple of years ago. But it's like you go down like the positions. Jack Sawyer is the number two defensive end. Travion Henderson is okay. the number two running back. Kyle McCord is the number three quarterback. Donovan Jackson is the number one offensive guard. Ja'Kalen Johnson is the number four cornerback. Reed Carrico is the number two inside linebacker. Pryor is the number six running back. Mike Hall is the number eight defensive tackle. Like, it's just like the, at every position they have like a top five guy. So, and then here, here are the guys that they could get. To me, he's, I, I'm sorry, JT Tumalau is the number one defensive tackle in the country and the number two player in the country. Tony Grimes is the number seven player in the country, the number one cornerback in the country. Mekhi Mbuke is the number nine player and the number one wide receiver in the country. And then Tamise Adjale is the number 43 player in the country and the number three strong side defensive end in the country. That's what they could also add to this class. So again, they've done a lot of work. They have a lot of guys in. Clemson, Clemson's average player ranking at the moment is actually still slightly ahead of Ohio State. But the overall, overall total, like the total points, because Clemson only has 10 commits and Ohio State has 15. Clemson with the number two class has 220 points right now. Ohio State at number one has 280. So um, that's how much work they've already done on this class. So, all right, um, that's it for this. We're going to have another real quick recruiting discussion. But uh, we wanted to make sure we're doing these mini pods. This worked out great to do this on a Friday to get this to you guys. Uh, make sure you're listening to the Wednesday Big time, long Ohio State uh, Buckeye Talk podcasts. Um, but we'll be right back after this with one more recruiting hit, and then we'll get out of here on Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Damian Robinson, a local kid in Maryland, one of the best players in that state, decided to stay home. He's a top 100 kid in the class of 2021, and, and it was a guy that Ohio State was looking at. Nathan, you coincidentally did a recruiting battle post we're trying to look at guys that are in the mix for Ohio State and who the Buckeyes are battling what other schools are battling for these guys you did a post on Robinson Friday morning he becomes a terp Friday afternoon what did you when you did that post right when you were researching this and looking into this did you think Ohio State had a good chance at him well I I was a little bit surprised that he committed today only because it looked like he was not someone that was really especially close to making a decision just from reading the tea leaves. I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but he, the last time he had put out any kind of, you know, whittling his list, 
he still was listing 13 teams. And that's obviously not much of a finalist list at all. And then on top of that, he wasn't able, like everybody else right now, wasn't able to make the visits he wanted to make this spring. Um, so I, I was a little bit surprised that he jumped on it. There was one crystal ball prediction for him, and it was for Maryland, but only one prediction. I don't know how much stock I put in that. At the same time, he was obviously a, a major priority for Maryland. Um, and it makes sense that it, maybe as much as anybody in this whole class, he's the kind of guy that they would try to lock down. I mean, to have a, a top 30 edge rusher in your backyard, it's the kind of player that Maryland has to get if it has any chance of not getting just steamrolled perpetually in the Big Ten East. It's the kind of thing we talk about all the time with Maryland and Rutgers. They both are located in recruiting rich areas. There's talent in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia recruiting zone, and there's talent in New Jersey. And all Maryland and, and Rutgers, now that they're in the Big Ten, they have Big Ten money, they have Big Ten exposure. All they have to do is keep home their kids, and, and they'll be able to at least compete. Um, you know, some other schools, Minnesota can't just rely on kids in Minnesota. You can't just only recruit in-state and Minnesota and compete in the Big Ten. So this is somebody that Maryland needs to keep. But, I mean, it's an easy comparison to a guy like Chase Young. Steven, when you look at Larry Johnson's history of recruiting the DMV, that's where he really butters his bread. Are you a little surprised that this isn't a kid that, you know, was susceptible? And, and he probably didn't even give himself a chance to have the magic worked upon him, that Maryland got him early. Are you a little surprised that Ohio State didn't get him? Because this is kind of a defensive lineman from Maryland is kind of Larry Johnson's wheelhouse. It is his wheelhouse, and <clears throat> usually you would be, but this is Mike Loxley doing what Mike Loxley came to Maryland to do. This is the second time that he's pulled one of these top 100 guys. He did it in 2020 with Rakim Jared Flippin from LSU. You can see the tide kind of shifting in Maryland's favor with some of the, like you said, there's a, this is rich in talent, and Mike's, Mike Loxley seems to be the guy that can – you know, pinpoint that and get these guys to stay home instead of going to some of these other top programs in the country. So in most years, yeah, you would think Larry Johnson would go in there and be Larry Johnson. But with Mike Lotsey now at the helm of things, I think Maryland might be able to pull some of these guys and have them stay home instead of going to top programs. As we always say that, the whole, like, make the great state of blank proud, which Urban Meyer used a lot in Ohio. Stay home. Stay home and make your home state university proud is an effective pitch anywhere. You just have to have, have, to have the right people pitching it. And I think Mike Loxley in Maryland is that right kind of guy. Um, it's just interesting. A, a lot of schools had been plundering Maryland for talent. If you go back and look the last couple of years, Alabama got like three guys out of Maryland, I think, last year. That There are – Lots of schools. It's not like Ohio State has been cleaning up there. Penn State does a lot of good work. James Franklin, former assistant coach at Maryland. Penn State does a lot of good work in the DMV area. So this is one of those areas, though, where Ohio State, as we said a million times, they look to take advantage of talent-rich areas where their home state school is underperforming in recruiting, where it's not a great option to stay home. And that's a main part of their recruiting strategy. It's just going to be a little bit harder in Maryland, maybe a lot harder in Maryland going forward if Mike Loxley does what Mike Loxley normally does. He's been a guy, He's when he was at Illinois, he was a great recruiter. Previously at Maryland, he was a really good recruiter. He thinks he would have kept Dwayne Haskins home 
when they, they had a coaching change there, they thought about keeping Mike Loxley. They, Mike Loxley is certain that he could have kept Dwayne Haskins at Maryland instead of having Dwayne Haskins decommit and wind up at Ohio State. Nathan, as you think about this going forward, do you think this will affect how much time and energy Ohio State puts into the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area in recruiting? Or if that's a hotbed for them, do they just have to keep going? And if Loxley makes it a bit tougher, so be it. Well, I mean, I think if you're going to compete at the level Ohio State competes at, if you see a position of need or just a player that you think is a player that you want, I think you go after him regardless of where he is. I mean, you know, it's not that you know Ohio State still recruits the South. Ohio State still recruits other places where there are some, some great teams. Uh, this seems like the kind of guy, I mean, with Ohio State's, <clears throat> excuse me, with Ohio State's history, they should be a in the running for any defensive end they want to go get because there's just proven success here. It's going to start to be that way with receivers, I think, too. Kind of already is, obviously. I mean, the, the best receivers in the country look at Ohio State as a destination that gets them where they want to go. Not only can they have success in college, but look what happens after that. And that's obviously already happening on the defensive line, especially defensive end at, at Ohio State. So I, I definitely see them still being in the mix. I, it's It's probably a place where they'll be able to – they won't be able to plunder it quite as much. I mean, like I said, you know – Maryland's only chance of, of doing this, it's, it's one thing if they had lost a player like Robinson to South Carolina or Georgia or Tennessee. That's one thing. They just cannot lose those guys to Ohio State and Penn State, who were two of the other guys that were really hot on to, to Robinson. So that's where I see Maryland really trying to kind of put up barriers. If, if you're going to lose those guys, try to lose them somehow, not to the guys that are already beating your, your brains in in the Big Ten East. Can I make a minor point, and, and I didn't research this a ton. We can get into this in later podcasts. But, you know, they have a really obviously the number two player in the class of 2021 is a defensive end. It's Jack Sawyer, but he's from the Columbus suburbs. I mean, Ohio State, no matter who the coach is, no matter who the assistant coaches are, they should get Jack Sawyer. Their big um, defensive end recruit from two classes ago was Zach Harrison. Columbus suburbs. Again, no matter who the head coach is, Zach Harrison, they should be winning that battle. Um, they got Noah Potter. They got Ty Hamilton. Those are Ohio kids who weren't as highly rated. You know, like they, they I don't know that they've pulled at, at defensive end a gigantic national guy like Chase Young. I don't know, like maybe since Chase Young. I mean, I guess, I don't know, Javante Jean-Baptiste, they have a couple, you know, they have some guys in here, but, you know, Tyreek Smith was a – they had to work really hard to get Tyreek Smith. That's a Cleveland kid. Again, Ohio State should get Cleveland kids. You, you don't take it for granted, but it's not like some, you know, you, you don't necessarily run that up the flagpole. It's like, yeah, you got a Cleveland kid. I don't know. I mean, it's just like it, it's hard, right? It's hard. And if Jack Sawyer's in your backyard, you take him for sure. But, um, you know, they they have made their money on some national defensive ends, and they haven't – last class or two haven't quite – gotten the same level yeah if you, expand have, the, if you expand the whole defensive line you can throw in Teron Vincent and some other guys like that too in the and I'm talking about you know past handful of years not just the last one or two years and you're right but because they haven't necessarily had to they can just go 15 minutes down the road or two hours up like 71 and go get one so they haven't necessarily needed to now obviously yeah they're still in the competition for some defensive linemen in this class who are five-star guys who are all the way across the country but to the point of make your home state proud why go try to compete with 
seven other schools for a guy in, I don't know, Idaho or something who might be a five-star when there's a guy 15 minutes down the road who serves that same exact purpose. And, you know, you can go get that guy who you know is going to want to come to Ohio State. No, and that's not the point. I mean, I'm not saying you should go recruit Idaho instead of the Columbus suburbs, but as we are lauding Ohio State's defensive end recruiting, I think it's worth keeping in mind that it, they happen to have the number 12 player in the whole class of 2019, and he was a defensive end in the Columbus suburbs, and they happen to have the number two player in the whole class of 2021, and he's a defensive end in the Columbus suburbs. And, you know, you get credit for that, because if you lost those guys, people would go bonkers, but Chase Young is a difference maker because you went out and got him. And so um, I'll just be curious the next time that there isn't a Zach Harrison or a Jack Sawyer down the road in the shadow of Ohio Stadium, Ohio State's going to go have to go out and get a guy like that. And, you know, uh, it, it'll be a challenge, right? I mean, you, you, but getting yeah. Chase Young is a program changing kind of guy that that, that Chase Young could have gone anywhere and he picked here, and it wasn't obvious for him. So um, you always get a couple extra bonus points on the recruiting meter uh, when you pull kids like that. So this is our mini pod for Friday. We'll be back with another mini pod on Monday. Again, if more recruits pop, we'll make sure we cover that. And then we're going to have our big giant pod every Wednesday. Continue with the uh, favorite modern football Buckeye. Moving along in that bracket, the latest uh, votes will be going out to our tech subscribers uh, on Friday for that. Again, if you want to be part of that, if you want to help pick our favorite modern football Buckeye from 2001 to now, sign up 614-350-3315 and you too can vote. So keep reading cleveland.com slash OSU. Drop us a few reviews for the pod. We're giving you three a week. We'll take a review, right? Even if it's not so great, we'll take a review. Um, try the texts and everybody stay smart and stay safe out there. For Nathan and Steven, I'm Doug Maurice. We'll be back with another mini pod next week. And then make sure you're catching the monster ones every Wednesday. But for now, thanks for joining us. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>